One. Hello, that everybody. Hoppy goodness. It's very hoppy. That's a very hoppy beer. I could smell it the second I opened it. Yeah, good stuff. So welcome back, everybody. Yeah, man. It's been a very short time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wink. Nudge, nudge. Nod, nod. Yeah. Um, welcome back. I'm out of the motion of doing this. Out of the routine. Me too. Um, it's kind of a bummer. That's why you need to move back here. I know. I really do need to. And... Uh, yeah, I do need to. I'm just trying to figure out how it's even possible now. I'm tr- I'm really trying hard, but my company is uh not a good company. What's your inflation match on uh wages? Oh, that's a good question. Zero. Cost of living? Yeah, zero. Yeah. Yeah, what we mm. signed up for is what we get. And they uh recently two departments completely quit. So we have all their work now because they can't hire anybody. So, hmm. yeah, it's not a happy work environment. One of the nurses I work with bitched to the sheriff directly really? and the mayor of Salt Lake County, like, jumped the entire chain of command. What did they say? We have a meeting with the sheriff on the 30th of April. Really? <laughs> Well, I mean, it could be good, but <laughs> chances are. <laughs> I mean, like, legit, he he sent out an email to the city council, Salt Lake, uh, not not the city council, the county council, Salt Lake County mayor, and the sheriff about payment issues. And then after he did that, he sent an email to his supervisors to our supervisors and the director of health at the Salt Lake County Jail mm-hmm. and was like, FYI, I did this. Dang. Dude doesn't give a shit, man. He's my fucking hero. His name's Patrick. So wait, what did what exactly did he say? And um he pulled up the policy on pay and compensation. Yeah. Highlighted specific areas of it. That, like, said, like, okay, you know, because uh, I guess it goes in. I, I don't remember what it's called, but it's, like, broken up into four or five groups. And if if you do this, like, you're this level. If you do this, you're this other level. Did I take my vape or did you take it off the charger? I didn't take it off the charger. It's gone. Um, Where'd I go? I it's don't right know. next to me. Okay. Dumbass well, me at it again. Anyways, continue. Um. Anyway, uh, so apparently, like, there's uh, an in-print black and white uh, document and algorithm for how civilian pay is sp- uh, or compensation is supposed to work within the county. Mm-hmm. And he he highlighted these portions of it, and we're like, I've worked here for twenty two years. Yeah, I fall I should fall into this category, but you hired this person, 
and they're making more than me. Mm. Out of the gate, new hire. Yeah. And so he he got pissed and he just he jumped the whole chain of command because I I don't know why, but like cuz I feel like my managers worked really hard with me when I was going through my shit. Mhm. But dude's on the verge of retirement. He's worked for the county for like 17 years, if not more. Okay. So he's probably just like, fuck them all. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I can definitely see that being and I mean, I see it from both perspectives. Like, and that's kind of why I think it's important that employees shouldn't really talk about wages with each other because it can kind of create that tension in the workplace. But I mean, it's no. I make thirty two dollars an hour. Come at me, bro. But the new hire that came in, like he probably just had better negotiation skills or asked for more out the get go. So you can't really like blame him for that. But at the same time, the guy who's been there for a long time, like, he should have fair compensation. For I that. think so too. But I think there's a better route in going about that instead of just. I mean, has he gone through the appropriate channels yes. and being like? You know, I think I deserve a compensation rage. Here are the list of reasons why I deserve Apparently, it. Apparently, this has been a five-year thing for okay. him. Like, he's been going through HR. He's been going through management. He's been, like, you know, and it's been a back and forth. And Really? In, in and the other issue he had is, uh, again, we work for the sheriff's office, so it's this is a weird dynamic, right? But... He, the other issue he he has is he's worked on both sides. He started off as an officer. Okay. Went and got his nursing license and then started working as a nurse. Gotcha. Um, but he said, like, the inflation adjustment and, like, pay scale changes are way more equitable on the law enforcement side than they are on the civilian department I side. I can believe that, yeah. Um, and he's like that, that's a problem because yeah, yeah, we work for the sheriff's department, but we are county employees, county, everyone that works in that building is a county employee. Right. So I'm just like, you know, like good for you, man. Go for it. As for me, I want to be like the dude in Italy that didn't show up to work for 15 years and got paid for every single day. Oh, that'd be great. Did I just you hear like to about that? No. <laughs> I'd like to imagine this guy who's he blackmailed somebody above him. And <laughs> it's like so he got this job that was pretty well paying and then he blackmailed somebody above him. He literally didn't work for 15 years and he got paid salary the whole time. That that's somebody who <laughs> understands like if you can get away with it then you do that. Like the whole ethics thing, that's out the window, man. Like if you can get away with fifteen years paid maternity leave, maternity leave, yeah, then why not? Hey, you know what? Somewhere, some heroes don't wear capes. Some, some heroes don't wear capes. Exactly. Yeah. He, uh, good for him. That's a that's a big accomplishment for the working man. <laughs> 
And that should be an inspiration to <laughs> yeah. all working people <laughs> to find out how to get away with as li- doing as little work as possible and getting paid as much. Yeah. And somehow executives have figured out how to do that, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what What's his name? Mr. Uh, so-and-so from IMC or IHC. I don't know how much actual work in a year he does, but, you know, shows up, presses some flesh, kisses some babies. Right. Shakes some babies, kisses some hands. <laughs> in the end, the people at the very bottom know how the company operates on a fundamental level better th- in in practice than the people at the top do because they're viewing the company as numbers, analytics. It, it, it's and, and honestly, it's hard to get away from that once you get to a certain level like there is there's there are ways there are the companies there are the leaders the ceos that like to be on the ground floor and go to each department and talk to people in that department and figure out you know what do you think could be doing what we could be doing better what do you think is having a hard time you think you have we have problems and you try to push that up what are the things that you try to push up that get shut down like be a a hands-on ceo yeah and they're just very scarce nowadays it's it's all they like to think they're in the military chain of command. Uh, I messaged somebody at my company that I have had a working relationship with for a long time. Messaged him. Got a message from my immediate supervisor saying, hey, you shouldn't reach out to him directly. So that means I messaged him about a concern. Instead of him just replying, he decides to message my manager to have him message me to tell me not to talk to him. What are we doing, man? We're not in the military here. Well, and... So, uh, as far as military concerns go, here here's a thing for you. I uh, was it, it was right before I got moved from Charlie Company to back into the uh, regimental aid station, but they put me in charge of some. Th- thing on the computer and my credentials weren't working because I was brand new at it. Okay. And so I I had to go talk to someone else to get their credentials. Mhm. And um I was walking across what we call the grinder. Um it's where you hold formation and shit. Uh It's also a gay dating app, continue. Anyway, yeah. Um, we, we, I was walking across that area and, um, I basically passed the third in command of the regiment or the battalion, uh, the command master chief, uh, uh, so an E9 that's older than God probably has more power than him too. Yeah. And he's like, Hey, HM2. I say, yes, master chief. How's things going today? And I, I, I was honest with him. I was yeah. up front like, hey, you know, things are going pretty good, but I'm having this issue with this. I need to go talk to this guy. And he's like, well, the, the CO's given his presentation at this time. He can't leave. And I was like, I understand that. I'm just going to get some sign-on information, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, rest of the day goes by without a hitch. I got the stuff that I needed. Got the job done. It's like after lunch. This chief pulls me into their office. 
um, company office. And it's like, what what is this that I hear you talking to uh, Master Chief about blah, blah, blah? I was like, well, he, he asked me about how my day was going, and I just fucking told him. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, just lie to the Master Chief next time. Just tell him everything's fine. And I was, I was like, okay, well. They weren't. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Like, like. And the bottom line is, is like, okay, I do that. My direct supervisors at the time, my HM1s and my chiefs, gunnery sergeants, whoever, didn't want to hear it from me. Like, they would have been like, well, fucking fix it. Yeah. And that's what I've been, that was <coughs> what I was told the entire time I was in the military. Find a way to fix it yourself. And if you can't, then go up. Yeah. So I was fixing it. I was fixing the issue myself. Yeah, you talk to somebody. And then the funny thing is they probably got, uh, you know, reamed because they weren't doing their job. So the master chief probably like talked to some people and then it makes your direct supervisors look bad. So then they take it out on you. And the sad thing is they just I mean, they deserve to be chewed out. Yeah, they deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. And, And anyway, so I'm sitting there. This is back when I had anger issues. Mm. I can, like, my blood pressure is pretty good. So when it rises and, like, suddenly, I can feel it. Yeah. Um, I, could, I, I can feel it in my ears. Like, my ears start burning. I can feel my hands go numb. The, the Jekyll and Hyde uh, Five Finger Death Punch song. Yeah. It yeah. just turns, you, you can't control it. Yeah. And so I'm standing there and I'm getting lit up for this thing. That is a non-issue in my mind. Yeah. And and I, so I don't know how I was able to do it, but I kept my wits about me, and I looked straight at my chief, and I was like, from day one since I hit the fleet, first day out of basic training, I've always been told, solve it at, well, at the lowest level possible. Yeah. Solve it at the lowest level possible. So for me, when I was an E2, brand new to everything, solve it at the lowest level possible meant trying to solve it with E2s and E3s. Yep. As an E4, that meant solving it as an E4. As an E5 now, that means solving it as an E5. And what was I going to do? Talk to the E5 that was in charge of the program. Yeah. That I was trying to use. And then That's you, literally what I was doing. And then once you begin, then it changes. And then, and then I, I, I do what I've been told since day one. Day fucking one. I get my ass chewed out. Yeah. And I said, like, I, I don't know how I maintain my composure, but I, 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 I told my chief this. In a very flat, like, manner without, like, raising my voice or anything. And they just looked at me, put their hands in their head, uh, their head in their hands and shook their head. And was like, you're right, man. You're right. 
You've yeah. probably been told that by every single superior you've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I was like, win for Dallas. Yeah. Check. Like, cause yeah, and then that was a whole thing, and it didn't need to be a thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, solve it at the lowest level possible. Okay, I'm going to use my problem problem-solving skills. I'm going to go talk to Homeboy di- directly. Yeah. Use his fucking override <laughs> access. Yeah. Get the job done and then f- fix the problem I'm having when he's out of this meeting. Yeah. He's like, congratulations, boys. Taliban de- decapitated three guys while we had this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, the, the fact that it just trickled down like that. I mean, I was already pretty fed up at this point. Yeah. With the military. And, like, that was just another thing that, like, hammered a nail in the coffin. You know, I was just like, oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding me Mm -hmm. right now? But when I pointed out, I was like, Chief, and I'm not going to say the Chief's name, but I was like, Chief, you yourself and every other Chief I've had since I've joined the Navy has told me to solve problems at the lowest possible level. Yeah. And now you're mad that I didn't talk to you about this because I didn't come because uh, the master chief talked to you about it. And I was honest with him about how my day was going. Yeah. If I hadn't said anything to master chief, would you have known there was a problem? No. OK. Right. What's the issue? It's ego. That's the issue. That's really what it comes down and, to. And the, the CO that we had at the time great fucking guy I'm friends with him on Facebook to this day you know what he gives cares about he's retired he just wants to ride his motorcycle and horses alright that's all he wants to do with his life at this point yeah dude was a fucking badass he's got a bronze star he was a corporal in the marine corps when he got it so like Fuck, probably back in Nam or some shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't do it, man. Now, the problem is, like, when you join when you're young, 18, 19, 20, that's all well and good. If you join as a 25 through 30 year old, you're, you're already like, get, like have that attitude of like, why should I have to do that if I don't want to? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like I'd get a dishonorable discharge nowadays if I joined. No, you probably get admin sept for uh, failure to adapt. Mm, okay. I mean, it's not much better than a dishonorable discharge, but... Uh, and and it's not it's not actually called a dishonorable discharge, by the way. It's called an other than honorable discharge. Oh, it's not good, but it's <laughs> like it, it could be really bad. But it's but not good. We're gonna leave it ambiguous and yeah. leave that up to you. Yeah, you choose. Yeah, choose your own <laughs> adventure. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, if it were me now. And someone talked to me like that, I'd be, I'd probably be the same way, but I'd probably hand their ass to them, like very calm and collected. But yeah, be like, okay, well, your policy states, boom, 
boom, boom. And after that one conversation I had, I went to the Navy personnel manual for fucking everything I did. Everything. And anything I did, I sent up a copy of the Navy, that section of the Navy personnel manual with it, and the Marine Corps personnel manual, and the military personnel manual. Yeah. So there's Milpers man, Navpers man, and uh, uh, I think it's like uh, uh, Marman is uh, what what the three were. Okay. And and so like I like I, I inundated these people with fucking paperwork after that day. Really? Yeah. Anytime I wanted to go on leave, I'd pull up the fucking the the legit regulation on it and be like this is why I'm allowed to do this. Yeah. I'd send them a fucking stack of paperwork like 3 inches thick. Right. And when I was up for advancement and they're like you have to take the advancement exam and I'm like I'm not going to. And I was told but you have to. I I said to myself, I'm pretty sure I'm I I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know, and and so I probably spent more time looking for the fucking um articles within the Navy personnel manual. Yeah. Uh to that stated that I didn't have to take the advancement exam because I was intending to separate. If you're not intending to separate, you have to take it. Yeah. But I had already declared my intentions with a legit career counselor, and they had filed my intention to separate. Okay, yeah. Um, I probably spent more time looking into that and finding the clauses and articles that backed up my stance than it would have taken me just to actually do the exam to oh definitely to do the exam but not only that to study for the exam right <laughs> that's funny like I, I was like no uh-uh but it's the fucking principle of the matter man like they're like no this is the way it's been done for a hundred years so we have to do it well here's your book this yeah. is your book that says it does not need to be done the way you're saying it needs right. to be done yeah and that's why I respect this nurse that I work with. And that's why I'm rooting for him. Because that's what he's done. Tenure holds a lot of weight, too. Like, at that point, if you, you fire somebody over, uh, you know, quote-unquote insubordination, you have to look at, like, well, how long, is they be- how, how long have they been there for? Like, have they been a good employee that entire time? And he's not being insubordinate. Right. Because he's backing his play. Well, I agree 100%, but I'm saying that they somebody up ahead of him could have an inflated ego and try to go after him for that. I'm not saying that's right. Because it's and that probably not. will happen. Yeah, it might. It definitely might. Um, Cody did that. Too. He went like almost to the CEO and asking for a raise. And I was like, oh, he's getting fired. But luckily, she came back and was like, you know, actually like treated him like a human, which I was shocked. I was a hundred percent. Anytime I've had those type of interactions, someone got fu- someone has gotten fired. Someone has gotten fired. Yeah, I'm gonna go get some two oh eights. I want you they're, to try that again. They're in the uh, fridge upstairs. Okay. I put them in the fridge to chill them. 
but like I uh, like I was saying that that's just why I respect this one nurse I I work with because he he's using their own rules against them and really when you're a fucking peon in an establishment whether it's a nurse that's been working for the same hospital or organization of hospitals for 20 plus years if you're a police officer, a military member, a fireman, fucking garbage person, teacher, whatever. You you have to you have to look into that stuff to correct injustices in your own life. Because the management that's there, they're better off than you. And so they're just they're not gonna think about it. Like, they're, they're not going to think about it. The management I work with, they don't do day-to-day patient care. They don't deal with the inmates anymore. And they probably get compensated for being management on top of that. Yeah, they have to deal with, like, weird scheduling issues. But I, I had to deal with that in the Navy, personally. And... Compared to the day-in, day day-out grind of dealing with actual um, people it is completely different. And so you need to be willing and able to look up your own organization's policies and point out, You guys are doing this. Your own book says you should be doing this. You're doing this. It's half right. You know, like, you need a, as the Beastie Boys said, you need to fight for your right to party, man. Um, It's just, it's... It's really sad. A lot of people don't have it in them to do that. But if you're able to keep your wits about you in a situation and use someone's own doctrine against them and it turns into a uh, thank you. Say it goes higher and it turns into an issue and they... They they want to press it and want to press it. If you establish that paper, paper trail of using their own doctrine in black and white written down on paper that they've put out, it's... I mean, it's... It's really an Achilles heel for... for, for the company or organization or whoever it is you work for because if anything ever goes to court that's what's going to be looked at I mean you could literally press shit to the point of court and if you're like hey this is what their own fucking book says they have to follow it and just because your manager or 
superior or whoever is not willing to follow that because their manager didn't and, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. You'll win, man. You just have to establish that base and not be afraid to fucking stand up. Again, like the Beastie Boys said, you got to fight for your right to party. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I brought you a 208. Okay. This is, uh, they reworked their uh, their formula, much like 801 did. Uh, this used to be a 13% beer, and this is now a 4.7. Okay. But I think it's hard not drinking an 801 and this side by side, but they're similar in what I would rank them as a beer. Okay. Uh, it's not a Pilsner. It is a ale. It's a okay. seasonal ale, but it is very good. It is very good. So they eliminated a lot of alcohol out of this, which is good because I've already drank quite a bit today. It's a very flavorful little beer here. Uh, very different than 801, but it's got a very nice flavor. And it's uh, it's not harsh. It's not too bubbly. It reminds me more of uh, Chasing Tell. Yeah, it's very similar to that, yeah. It's good stuff. I do need to slow down my intake a little bit. Me too. Because, I mean, you and I went through a growler already. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you've had, what, two Grand Tetons. I've had one. You've only had one? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I've had two Grand Tetons. See, and, and I've cut back in Idaho. I've. I've cut back on drinking quite a bit. It's because you live with re- religious people. That, and I just haven't wanted to drink as much because I feel the wares on my body more than I have in the past. You crossed the line, man. I have crossed the line, and I'm not working out, too, so that's a big big factor because before I could work out and drink as much as I want, and I'd be fine. But now the cow- the extra calories are like, I cannot do it. Fair. I can't. For me, it's not even the calories. Like, uh, it, it's how I feel the next day. That too. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm gonna nurse this. Yeah. Uh, on our previous episodes, I'd pound like four or five in a row, but I'm already that deep in. Yeah. So, so last time we talked, we talked about your friends with the cannabis uh, thing. How's that going? It's going okay. They they don't really do it that much. Mm. I guess um, not seeing the appeal. They don't see the appeal of it, I guess. Okay. However... This person had a glass of wine on an empty stomach the other day, and then another, and uh, it's pretty loopy. I was like, I get this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, take from that what you want. Yeah. From what I hear, the uh, the medical cannabis industry in utah is doing very well 
Um, there's quite a few people I talk to in intake that are like, I, I ask them, are you on any medications? Mm-hmm. And they say medical marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I don't care about if people smoke marijuana or not. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to withdraw from it. You're not going to have a seizure if you don't have it. Correct. I mean, like, it is used to treat some seizure disorders in certain states and maybe even in Utah now. But, like, you you aren't specifically going to have a seizure from withdrawing no, from cannabis. Absolutely not. You're not going to die. You're not going to get super sick. You're not going to, you know, the, like. You might be a little cranky. That's a really about it. it's about like a nicotine but it's not a physical it's more of like a uh i'd rather have this right right and and so when i'm talking to people um out in intake and i'm like do you use drugs and they're like i smoke marijuana okay do you do anything else nope it's like i i would prefer if they don't if they didn't have to even say that because like, it doesn't affect anything. Yeah, it, it's not something you're going to withdraw from. It's not a medically significant thing right. that I have to worry about. Like, oh, y- you don't have this? You're going to be dehydrated severely in three days and right. die. You know? The worst thing I could think <laughs> of happening is combining it with some sort of uh, depressant that would drop your heart rate to a certain level. But again, that would require you can. And, and and that's why these other states have moved to recreational dispensaries. Yeah. Because I that they're well regulated or whatever. I I don't do, do it. I want to really preface that right now. It's not legal in my state. Yeah. I work for the government. I do not do cannabis products. Yeah. I don't even use CBD. Mm-hmm. But say I lived in California, uh, California, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, fucking New York, wherever it is. I don't have to buy my stuff from a guy that I kind of know. Right. Now, and he could be cutting it with something else like another depressant, fentanyl or heroin or something, and I'm taking that into my body as well and causing other issues. Absolutely. I can go to a well-regulated dispensary that's monitored for purity and making sure they're not mixing stuff with anything. Is it taxed? Sure. Is it taxed heavily? Heavily? Probably. It's about so here. It's about what because uh, uh, Chris, you know Chris, he has his medical card, and there are Utah state dispensaries, um, but they're about what street price are about. Um, but I, you don't hear about it as much here as you do some of the other places with medical stuff. Like I forgot it was even a thing here. Yeah. Um, Idaho, on the other hand, is very strict against it. Very strict. See, and uh, I I don't get that because if you open it up recreationally, you have control over the dispensaries. Right. 
um, it'd be like food, like where we get our corn and potatoes and other shit, right? Like from farms, those are controlled by an entity. They have to meet certain standards. Yeah. If it's federally legal, then it has to meet certain standards. And then also the places that sell it have to meet certain standards as well. And it, it's just a lot safer. Yeah. It's just a lot safer that way. It is. You know, like, I, I could go, like, I can go buy cigarettes from the gas station right now. And since that is controlled, I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. If I went to Indonesia and bought cigarettes, I don't know what the fuck's in those. Right. I mean, cigarettes aren't good for you, but. Yeah. It's true. I mean, uh, that's that's a huge concern, especially with the uh, THC carts, the cartridges. Yeah, exactly. Um, those are very, very sketchy because if you don't know what you're looking for when it comes to like actually looking at the, the stuff, you could very easily damage your lungs because these people Severely. are mixing different things. Um, and and if it were legal, there could be an entity in charge of that. Right. Making sure there's like certain purity standards and things being followed it, it would not be see and there's some there's other things as far as uh they found that cbd is the definitely the medical side of it thc almost offers no medical anything right um and edibles in particular so when somebody eats thc can you know consumes it there's a one pass conversion in the liver which converts uh tetrahydrocannabinol thc to uh, eleven hydroxy metabolite, which is about five times more psychoactive than THC is. So you're not there's this obsession with the THC side of it, but the CBD is really where the medical benefits come from. Right, and also with oversight, you could f- focus on that more. Yeah. If it were federally legal as a recreational use, you could focus on developing strains. People could focus on developing strains that are heavy on CBD and light on THC. Right. Yeah, even uh, even vaping just nicotine juice kind of, it's made me more awake to the fact that I don't think this is FDA regulated either. No. So people can literally just in their basement, some guy in a ponytail and a super tight shirt, be making this stuff and, you know, who knows what contaminants are in it. Right. That's why I buy from a, from from like iVape or whatever. Right. But even then, like some of these companies, some of the companies that they sell, I mean, it's none of it's FDA regulated. I I don't know. I think there's just like a, a price you have to pay. So it's like labels and all this like regulatory stuff. But as far as the oils and stuff, it's not like made in the same place as Tylenol's made, you know? Right. So that concerns me. Um, and again, vaping still so early in the uh, in the game that there's not really any concrete research. 
as to what it does long term. You know, fingers crossed, it's not bad. But uh, yeah, you you know who knows? Who knows? Well, I'm I'm currently working on reducing my vaping and nicotine intake and whatnot. And Me too. Well, because hopefully within the next year, you'll be Uncle Caden to one of my little minions. You think so? I'm hoping so. We've started moving forward with that. Good. So it's good to hear. So I'm looking forward and going like, okay, if I'm going to have a kid, I need to get serious about quitting these bad habits that I have and that's fair and and whatnot. But it's a fun, like having my nephew around virtually all the time now is interesting because I'm the type I do feel like I'm going to be a good dad in the sense that I don't do the baby talk to babies so a lot of people be like oh yeah I'm like hey what are you doing punk like and he loves me he freaking loves me he smiles like he yeah I enjoy that a lot because I I just treat him like another human being or when he starts crying I'll just struggle and then then he stops yeah then he stops and like, no, that's not, a, he'll start crying. Like, nope, not allowed. And he'll stop crying. It's fun, dude. It's I, like, a, I, I wonder if part of that though is cause it's not your kid. It very well could be. It very well could be. Cause like, I mean, it's, it, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time or know me at all. It's it's no secret that I really want a kid. And the more that I've wanted a kid, the more that I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm, I I do more of the baby talk and stuff with other kids because I'm in that mode. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 I try I, to I treat don't them know. like a kid. I, I try to treat them like I just talk to them. Like I, I see all these my Mom plays these stupid, stupid songs for this kid. It's like the Baby Shark song. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't do that. I'm like, this is killing his brain cells. This is the reason why people grow up to buy big trucks and don't use the blinker. They listen to this song when they were a kid. <laughs> and <laughs> so I'm like, listen to Mozart or something. Like some, you know, listen to some like classical, and, nice music. And, and, the, and the thing is, is... Um, I'm not a baby shark guy. I can't do it. I can't do it either. Uh, and I know Liz hates that song too. So our kid's probably not going to listen good. to it. That's good. <laughs> um, like I hear that song and it enrages me. Me too. But uh, I will say that grandparents are different. Um, I've watched how my dad interacts with my nieces and nephews uh-huh. over the last few years. Grandparents don't give a fuck, dude. They don't care. They're like, I'm going to spoil the shit out of this little kid. Yeah. And 
It's it's not my problem. They can eat Oreos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. They can listen to Baby Shark 1,500 times. I don't care. Right. Uh, see, I don't want that. I, I don't want... Because I see my parents feed Paul, which is his name. That's my nephew's name. They feed him, like, sugar and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's probably not a good thing to feed a kid. That's grandparents, though, man. I know, but it's just not a good thing. It's not a good thing to do. Because I want... Chris's parents did a pretty good job. He never ate a Big Mac until he was, like, 22. And that's kind of how I want my kid to be. I, I want them to see food as, like, you know, all all these people are going to eat these things, and they're going to feel terrible about themselves. They're going to feel awful all the time, and you're going to eat good food, and you're going to feel good. And that's the reason why you're going to feel good, and they're not feeling good. That That's, that's like, my mentality. And... I, I, I think there's a balance, though. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a balance. Like you want the day in day out to be good, mm-hmm. but you don't want to make your kid afraid to eat a piece of fucking cake or a hamburger if they go over to a friend's birthday party. Right. Yeah, and that's definitely a a, a strange thing. Like for me, I don't I don't eat a lot of sugar. At like condensed, just plain sugary thing, chocolate, sweets. I'm not that into it. I'd rather have carbs, breads, and beer and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I never realized how weird that made me to other people until people started offering me like, "Hey, try this cookie," and I'm like, "I don't want to eat." You know, I don't. I'm good. And like, it's like I personally offend them that I don't want to eat the thing they're eating. Like, no, just try one. It's like, I'm good, man. I don't want it. I ran into that at work the other day. Really? Yeah. What was it? Um, It was a cookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And yep. uh, this other nurse was like, man, these are delightful. You have to try this. I was like, I, no, I don't. I, 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 don't, I don't want to. Right. I, I don't want to. Yeah. Well, well, I told you today, like, I'm trying to... You asked if I want to go to the Belge, and I, I was like, I'd rather not. Yeah. And it's because I'm focusing more on what I'm putting in. Uh, the only meal I've really had today was egg whites, vegetables, and fruit. And we had a tiny, tiny little bread with cheese on it. Yep. That's all I've had today too, so that's why I wanted to go to the Belch because I, I mean you you can feel free. See, I now that you when you say that it makes me feel like awful about myself. Why? You're like, hey man, if you want to do it, all good. I'll just be sitting here eating you know a salad or drinking some water. No, I I probably won't be eating anything mm. to be honest. But like if if you want to go do that. Like I'm, I'm not gonna judge anybody for anything they they do. I couldn't care less, right. unless you abuse animals, women, or children. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I couldn't care less. Like your dietary habits, that's on you. If you're bitching about having diabetes in thirty years, I'm not gonna care. Yeah, the same way I don't care right now. Right, because you did that to yourself. Yeah, see, that makes me not want to go even more now. But that's okay. I uh, 
I'm pretty. I that's why I like intermittent fast. I'm not a big breakfast guy anymore. I just am not. I'm not either. I'd rather wait to use my calories at the end of the day so I can get something good. Um, but I have the the type of mind. You mentioned that I'd lost a little bit of weight or I looked a little different from the last time yeah. I came here. My mind, the way my mind works is that I kind of just decide like, okay, it's now it's time to lose weight. And then subconsciously I start eating that way. I, I don't have to make an effort into being like, this is my diet. I got to stick to my diet. That, that, that. I kind of just decide it's time to lose weight, and then it just See, happens. For, for me, it's a little harder than that because, I mean, I, I know you grow up kind of impoverished. Yep, we were very poor, yeah. Uh, I grew up the same way, and, like, for me... It, being an adult and being relatively well off, I'm like, if I want something, I want it. And I'm going to fucking have it. Yeah. But I need to learn how to control that a little bit for the sake of my health. Yeah, and, I understand and, that. And, and that's what, where I'm at. Like, It's like, okay, I, I do need to lose weight. I need to be in better shape. I X, Y, Z, whatever the the goals are. And but I'm working on making sweeping changes instead of like I've got this diet I'm gonna lose twenty pounds on this diet. Just incremental lifestyle changes. Yes. Yeah. And 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 that's what I'm trying to do. So it's it's more habitual. Um, I'm using Noom uh, for that, but it, it's it's more like about doing habitual changes. Like yeah. Oh, I'm kind of hungry at work. And there's no food available. Am I going to get a donut or am I going to get a veggie tray? Right. At first, you're like, fuck, I'll just get the veggie tray because I know it's good for me. But now, like, slowly it kind of becomes like a... I know if I eat the donut... I'm going to be full for two hours. Yeah. Then I'm going to be hungry again, and I'm going to feel like garbage and be tired. Yeah. So that uh, the, that's the things I'm trying to focus on. Cheese and beef jerky, man. Those are the they, – you got to get the sugar-free jerky, though. So much jerky has sugar in it. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. So much sugar, too. If you have sugar-free jerky, you're like, this tastes awful. This is not good. Um, but you get used to it. But cheese and jerky is like a really good go-to snack. Um, but there's also like a part of me, like, I look at these guys like David Goggins, who's like a... A god oh, among men. Running, yeah, I'm going out running 120 miles a day. Like, where's the joy in anything? And his yeah. whole philosophy is like... There is no joy in life. There's only doing things that you don't want to do until you die. And I'm in this uh, that I feel like that's a far extreme. Yeah, no, that is. That's an that's an absolute uh, extreme. Like, I read his book. It was a good book, but the guy is so intense. The book's called What You Can't Hurt Me. Yeah, whatever. Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great book, but I feel like when he gets older in life and loses some of the mobility, he is going to ha- hit this wall of having to deal with some demons. 
because I think he's using this as like a vice well, almost. Well, he he was a Navy SEAL for quite a while. He went right? through so much. He went through uh, Air Force Special Forces training, dropped out. He I think he went through Hell Week three times in Navy SEAL training before he finally got through. He went to Delta Selection twice. Uh, I think he went. He, he definitely went to Airborne School. I think he went to Ranger School. Um, but, and then he went to Delta Selection two times. But but here's the thing. In order to do that, how much combat experience is underneath your belt, too? And that's why a lot of Navy SEALs don't respect him because he – I don't know if he – he didn't have full deployments ever throughout his career. Really? Because he had heart surgeries. So he was like – in when he was in the SEALs – he was like, you would think that the SEALs have this, like, that are they're the men above, uh, above men. But a lot of them, when they hit the teams, they lose, like, the get-after-it factor. So he would be the one who would, like, he was an instructor at BUDS for a while. Uh, he also was put in charge of, like, the SEAL uh, uh, PTs. And he would go so hard that the, the SEALs were like, screw this guy. He's not one of the boys. So... Goggins was a SEAL, but he wasn't part of the fraternity of the SEALs, if that makes sense. He didn't drink. He, he's never drinking a drop of alcohol in his life. So he was, like, always getting after it. And uh, same with Jocko. Funny thing with Jocko, uh, I heard a couple of SEALs. The Lone Survivor. There's one of the Lone Survivor guys that talked about Jocko. He's like, he's a real deal, man. He's a real deal. He'd be the guy who would go out and raise the American flag just to get firefights started. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's kind of like Brian. But Brian's specialty in the seals was a little different. He was like counterintelligence and um, counter surveillance. Okay. Uh, like I mean, when you talk to Brian, you're like, oh yeah, this dude's. He's done some shit. He's seen some shit. Right. But, like, he was the counter-surveillance, counter-intelligence guy. Right. On on his team. And, like, you talk to him, and, it, like, the way he talks about it is, like, it's just an everyday thing. Right. Oh, I noticed this dude four times today. That ain't right. Yeah. You know, seeing them once, whatever. That's just like they're in the area. Seeing them twice, that's a coincidence. Seeing them three times, you Little start fucking, idea. you start fucking looking for them. Right. Noticing them more. Yeah. And he's like, you know, a lot of these people that are like tracking you and following you. He 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 had like a two hour conversation with me about it one day. Yeah. It was fucking weird. He's like. They'll change their clothes. They'll change their hat. They'll put on fake beards. They won't change their shoes. <laughs> He's like, they're switching outfits so often. They don't think to change their shoes. Yeah. It's like, you see the same pair of shoes three times? Be fucking suspect of that person. Hmm. That's interesting. And he was telling me, like, yeah, you'd go to cross the street um, when we were training for it, you'd go to cross the street and he's like, 
you know how you look for cars, you look look one way, look the other, and then you cross. He's like, they tr- train you how to to act like that, but take in fucking all of the visual cues from both sides of the street. Yeah, it, it's nuts. Like the they um. So the CIA, this is con- a continuance of what you're saying, kind of. The CIA is hiring, basically, they're, they're hurting for people, first of all. They're very much hurting for people, um, but they're hiring for field agent escort, essentially, which they only hire tiered operators for that role. Okay. And essentially what it is, is you have an agent of a uh, CIA station. Let's say they're stationed in Beirut or whatever. And they need to go out and meet with somebody as far as, uh, you know, like an agent in the field. Somebody who's undercover. So they'll have these protective agents that escort them. Maybe like a six-man fire team. Um, Right. Take them out there. And these guys are crazy. I mean, they're like, you have Delta Selection. You have uh, Navy SEALs. Special forces, green, whatever, special forces, and they take these guys out there. But it's crazy because uh, it's almost like the some some breeds of the military who are in special operations that have to follow certain protocols or certain rules of engagement. When they work for the CIA, it's like a whole nother thing. It's like a whole nother stepping stone because right. you don't have that chain. Well, you do have a chain of command, but you have a lot more leeway. But it's crazy to see how trained these guys are as far as, like, languages. The training they go through as far as, um, like, they, they'll list you, like, off. They'll tell you a scenario, and then they'll go back and say, what what color were the buttons on the guy's shirt? That's That was Brian's job. Yeah, it's nuts. That was Brian's job. Like, the, and he trains people. To this day, how to do that. Yeah. Like, he'll be like, who is the third person up the street? Right. And that's intent. That's a that's a lifelong commitment because once you go down that training rabbit hole, that's how you see the world for pretty much the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Unless and you make a conscious effort to acclimate to civilian life again, that's and it'll still be there. Like you will still yeah, like it, it's John Wick shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> and and br- that that's what I was talking to Brian about though. He's like, yeah, you you notice things. He's like, you know, like I know a car drove a white car, uh, Toyota, whatever. I can't remember the conversation. He's like, drove by the the house twenty minutes ago. Right. Yeah, like he's so in tune with that that it's it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable because, like you said, what color were the buttons of the guy's shirt? Yeah, he could tell you that. We could go walk with him downtown for two hours, and he'd be able to fucking recount shit. Yeah. Okay, yeah, when we were at patterns. the corner of this and this. Uh, who was standing on, you know, 
the northwest corner of the street. Right. What did they look like? And he'd be able to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. It's amazing what training can do. I mean, really, it's just knowledge that we've learned that we choose to instill on certain people because they're the right person for the job. But it it, it really is kind of insane the amount of uh, patterns that they've learned to look for. Uh, it, just different things that that have been learned over the years that attribute to a really trained person. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's absolutely insane. I mean, you, you learn some of the training protocols for these guys, and once you're exposed to the knowledge, once you're exposed to that information it slowly starts to shape your your view of reality and most people you know they go out like for a cl- like in a club for instance you go to a club you don't think about it you know maybe some guy pats you down at the door you go inside you have a good time you don't really think about it but somebody who's been trained to look for certain things or to be on edge as if you know like at any moment something could pop off and they're already planning in their head exit strategy you know where they're sitting to kind of survey have surveillance of the area um and have a plan and to some sense it's it is paranoia um in certain sense i mean in a certain sense there is some paranoia to it and there kind of has to be but i mean i saw something where somebody replied to one of Jocko's things. He's like, he gets up at like 4 a.m. And he makes these videos. He's like, you know, we're we're getting ready to fight the enemy. It's like, what enemy, Jocko? You're in San Diego. You're chilling in your basement. But that's what he's been trained on. That's what he's been taught to know. That's what, what he views. You, your whole view, once you receive any sort of uh, self-defense training, tactical training, Yep. Any sort of training, you have shifted your perception of just being able to go to a club, have a good time, not think about it to where are the exits, what is my strategy if something happens, if something, do, you know, your Absolutely. mind changes completely. Yes. And I can attest to that. I can 100% attest to that because that's uh, what I focus on and what I think about. In certain situations, like I went out to lunch with my wife and her parents today, and as they were seating us, I was like, okay, like we're walking up to the table we got assigned. Um, where can I sit to be able to? most protect myself and the people around me and observe everything that's going on without being taken from the back. Uh, I choose to, in that situation personally, I, I make a conscious choice to not sit in that location because... I, I know it's weird and it's abnormal for most people to think about that, but I do um, still think about it. I, I think about it 
quite a bit. And I, um, especially at work, like I'm constantly aware of people moving around me at work because, you know, if an inmate's walking behind me, it's like, okay, there's this guy walking behind me. Are they going to like try to hurt me or are they just walking behind me? Um, and a lot of you might be like, oh, well, Dallas, you're a nurse there. Like, they don't care about you um, in that sense. It, it's still something you have to be aware of because if something pops off, you're you're in the middle of it. Like, people don't understand, like, a corrections environment. Most of the time when I'm on a unit passing medications... Or uh, checking someone out for a medical complaint. It's myself, the one officer with me, and 64 inmates. Yeah. You have to be aware of that. You fucking have to be aware of it. Yeah. Absolutely. And part of it's definitely the training, too, that you've, you've received in the past. And like, I don't know. I haven't been exposed to it in the sense of being fired at or, but I mean, even the small exposure I had in, in security, some of the things of like the guy jumping over the, 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 he was like living under this bridge and he jumped up and started running at me. Right. It's like those type of situations when they happen enough times, you start to like slowly view the world in a different way. Yes. Because like the first thing, I mean, I the first thing is like, stop, stop, stop. I was off duty too. I was off shift. And the first thing I asked, like, do you have anything that's going to hurt me right now? And that's like the first thing you think of because when somebody's like charging at you fast, you don't think like, oh, they're trying to have a conversation, you know? Right. This guy living under the bridge wants to talk about freaking, you know, macro. Yeah, (laughs) macroeconomics or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) that that kind of stuff happens enough and you're exposed to that kind of stuff. And for those of you who have had a great, you know, life where everyone's been nice, congrats. No, seriously. Like, that's good. Yeah, it definitely is good. But you've also not been exposed to a whole nother side of the world that. Like, it does not give a crap about what you think or how you, you know, they don't want to ask you about your day. Uh, or, like, when I was in Afghanistan and I was taking care of those um, blast victims, pulling them out of that car, and that guy started his car Yeah. while I was in it. It was, like, just being thrust into different situations make you think of things an entirely different way. It's like you're running through like situational like things that could happen. And yeah. uh, like, I don't know if you've ever done that. I, I go on walks with my parents, dogs or whatever. And this guy goes flying by in a truck. And immediately in my head, I'm, I'm thinking like, even though this didn't happen, my mind goes to if he would have hit the dog, like one of the dogs and kept driving, I, 
I'd be ready to go to jail in the sense of like pulling a gun and shooting at his car. Yeah. Because it, it, and it's a stupid thing to think about. No, but it, it's a situation that I've run through is like, if he did this, then I would react this way and I would do this. And, and that that's part of um, that. That's another part of training people don't realize. Like if you're training in martial arts, in the military, in the fire department, whatever have you. Uh, the other part of your training is thinking about situations before they happen. Yeah. And how you're going to respond to those situations in a in a in a collected way, so you're not scrambling for something. I think that's kind of how the human mind works in the sense that, I mean, with anything, right? Climbing, somebody drives past the mountain, they may look at it and be like, "That's beautiful." But as a climber, you look at it and be like, "Oh, I could do this and this and this." Yes. Same with skateboarding. I used to be a skateboarder. I viewed everything as like, "Oh, you could do this cool thing off this. You could, you know, stair yeah. sets." Yeah. You kind of start to view the world in the way that you live in it. So, like, if you're exposed to skateboarding, you'll see the world that way. If you're exposed to climbing, you'll see the world that way. Same with the military. If you're exposed to that that uh, environment, that's how you see the rest of the world. Yeah, I 100% agree. Because that, that's all you know. Yeah. That's all you know at that point. In time. And that's all you're forced to know. You don't have a choice. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, like, outside of hobbies, but. Right. But, like, even. For instance, I was at work yesterday, and it was kind of a slower day. And my computer went into, like,. Hibernation or whatever, where the screen saver just pops up, mm-hmm. and it was this picture of a glacially carved valley. And as a climber, I was looking at it. Yeah, like, oh man, that would be sweet. It'd be difficult, but it'd be sweet. And as an artist, I was looking at the different angles and stuff, and it's like. Oh, well, when I'm in Mexico and I go see these ruins, I might want to sit down and try to sketch these. Yeah. Like, so it, it absolutely is a a way that you've taught your brain how to look at the world. 100%. It's pretty insane. Like, if you if you shift your perception of the world, how quickly your life changes. Because, I mean, there are people out there that have never experienced anything like traumatizing or scary or something they need to react in. And they view the world completely different than somebody who's been like attacked or mugged or something like that. Right. Uh, Absolutely. It's like literally your experiences paint your reality of how you perceive everything. Like there's, I don't know if there's any like, objective sense of reality because everybody perceives things differently so like i yeah i don't know man yeah it's like if you've been in through been through some crap in afghanistan walking through a 
dark alley in Salt Lake City may not be as scary as somebody who, uh, you know, is a ballerina person who's who's only experienced like ballerina competitions and stuff. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm I I'm comfortable in my work environment. Yeah, because it's like. I mean, I, I I wasn't ever actually like fully in the shit, you know. But you saw you saw the uh, I I saw I saw enough to where it's like I'm not gonna allow that thing that happened to this person happen to me, right? And so it's kind of like a whole. Um, m- mindset where you're y- you're able to view things a little differently even though I wasn't in actively like super into shit uh, it's kind of well let's look at it this way and you know, if the, if someone tries to do something, what am I going to do? Yeah. However, uh, the time frame you said uh, for our good amount of views or listens. About the hour mark. We're at 112, so I think yeah, we, we could, should. We could start another one if you want to. Yeah, we. I think we should wrap this one up. I don't know how long the previous ones were. I don't know. I I don't know either. We could go over that as well. Okay. So I mean, it's only eight o'clock at night. Yeah. So, uh, okay. yeah, I think we should uh, wrap this one up. Giving you guys little bite-sized pieces. Yeah. Uh, Caden said that you guys prefer the hour-ish episodes versus the. Three-hour intoxicated rants that we go on. I think we've had five-hour ones before. And then it's funny (laughs) because when we started realizing this, we'd do two-hour episodes, and then then we would start a next, or maybe a three-hour, and by the next one, we would be totally... We'd be fucking gone. Yeah. Yeah. We'd be so gone that it was not even (laughs) worth trying to restart. Yeah. But I think now is a good spot, and uh, we could probably restart another one. All right. Be okay. Let's do it. Thanks yeah. for listening, guys. Uh, you know, email us cheapshotdiscussions at gmail.com. Send in your thoughts, your comments, your uh, concerns, your Con- criticisms. Yeah. And we'll ignore all of them. We'll send those to the spam. Um, <laughs> but we very much value what you say about us, unless it's bad. And uh, we'll see you next time on Cheap Shot Discussions.